Hello, everybody. This is Adolfo with the Essential Films Podcast. Um, I just wanted to give a quick update here. I know this episode is several months late, but there is a very good reason for that. Uh, shortly after recording this episode, I was contacted by Turner Classic Movies. Uh, I had been selected as part of the uh, TCM channel's uh, fan programmer segment. And I actually will be introducing, along with host uh, Ben Mankiewicz, this Sunday, October 14th at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific uh, on Turner Classic Movies. So I kind of held off on uh, dropping this episode until this week so that to kind of promote my appearance on there. So once again, please set your DVRs to uh, Turner Classic Movies this Sunday, October 14th, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, which would also be 11 Central and 10 Mountain. Also, um, we at the end of this show, we discussed that we our next episode will be Ben-Hur, uh, we will still be doing Ben-Hur, but uh, we're going to actually shift that for two episodes from now. Our next episode is actually going to be Psycho, uh, because it's going to drop uh, in October, uh, right around time for Halloween. So we uh, wanted to make sure that uh, that got that we got a Halloween episode in before we actually did uh, Ben-Hur. So uh, we will still do Ben-Hur, uh, but it will probably be two episodes from now. Okay, thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Essential Films Podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made, or the Essential Films. I'm Adolfo Acosta, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Mark Espinoza. How you doing today, Mark? Pretty good, Adolfo. How you been? I've been okay. Uh, it's been uh, about a couple, not a couple, it's been several weeks, about I'd say about six weeks or so since our last episode, uh, which we dealt with The Empire Strikes Back, a very good, uh, I think a very good episode. Um, right. We've had, uh, you know, we've kind of gone on the other side of the spectrum. We've, we've gone all the way back to the silent era this week, um, although not quite silent era, because this, while it's a silent film, it was actually released after talkies were introduced, but we'll get a little bit uh, into that later when we discuss our film this week, City Lights, uh, Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. Yes, yes, one of my favorite, favorite films ever. Um, it was actually one of the first films that I actually uh, saw on Turner Classics. Because, I mean, I'll get into, like, the first time viewing like we always do, so I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it was one of those first – that was one of the first movies I ever saw on that channel um, when I really started getting into, like, watching classic films and getting into, like, catching up with oldies. So, um, but we can talk about that later, but anyway. <laughs> Let's discuss – the 1931 classic uh, silent film from Charles Chaplin, City Lights. Um, so, Mark, as we always usually go through this, how, how did you first experience this film? Completely on purpose. So, like everybody knows at this point, I kind of started my journey into becoming this huge cinephile, buying stuff like Pets and Deadly Daphne's Revenge um, by uh, taking film courses in college. And after, uh, and I think that started, I don't know if I actually mentioned this on the show specifically, but I remember taking a course on the 60s uh, in film, uh, and that was an elective, like it was com a complete elective that wasn't really part of my major, but you know, I was like, oh, if I get to watch movies all day, why not? But it was that course that really started me down this path. Um, of just 
getting to know the classics, getting to know, you know, just all of cinema, you know, in in ways other than just entertainment. So I remember sometime during that semester, I was in a bookstore and I found a book um, from David Thompson was the author. And it's called Have You Seen? I'm sure you, you, you might have heard of this book, Adolfo. It's called Have You Seen? It says a personal introduction to 1000 films. And it has uh, Marlon Brando from The Godfather on the cover. Um, it's a few. It's about ten years old now, so some of the more recent stuff isn't going to be in there. Obviously, um, you kind of got me a more revised, more updated version a few years ago for Christmas. I remember the one thousand movies to see before you die. It had Gravity on the cover, so which mm-hmm. was awesome. Uh, so this this older this older edition um, had City Lights in it, and what I started doing was I was. I was kind of using that as my own personal checklist. So whenever I would see a movie that was in that book, I would highlight the title. That would be my my way of, of knowing, okay, I've already seen this. So I saw City Lights there, and then um, I, I remembered that I did uh, – you know, everybody has Turner Classics movies for the most part. It's part of the basic cable package if you still have cable. Um, but I never really appreciated what it was until I started kind of reading this book, until I started taking these film courses – um, and then I just happened to be scrolling through their, uh, through their, uh, listings one day and I see, oh, they're going to give city lights. I can cross this off my list. So I actually ended up DVRing it. And then one afternoon, I guess on a Sunday it was, I went through my DVR. I was like, oh, I have city lights here. I'm, I'm not doing anything. Let's watch it. And I remember just kind of being absolutely floored at first because it's one of those things where. I was like I said, I was still trying to like get into what I was as a cinephile. I wasn't really, uh, you know, when I think old movies, I think boring, I think slow. You know, that was my mindset at the time because I wasn't into into all of this yet. So, and I think City Lights was probably the first film that really made me kind of start appreciating the classics from that era. Um, I remember, like I've I've heard of Charlie Chaplin, obviously, but I never saw any of his movies. But I, but his reputation preceded him. And watching City Lights, um, I came I came away from this like I've just seen probably one of the best things ever. Um, just everything about it. the The music was great. Charlie Chaplin was awesome. Uh, Virginia Sherwell, I think was in it. Cheryl, Virginia Cheryl, Cheryl was in. Yeah, Virginia Cheryl um, was great here. Um, and it's one of those things where because it was a silent film, it was all based on the musical cues. It was all based on facial expressions. It was all based on body language. Um, and you know, you had yeah, you had little title cards here and there with with you know little quotes. But um, I just appreciated the fact that. I was able to follow this story 100% without anybody uttering a single word. It was pretty uh it was pretty awesome. And I mean, I just I fell in love with this movie. From the this was the first Chaplin movie I ever saw. Uh, still my favorite. I've seen I think almost this entire library since then. Um, but I'll always cherish the first time I saw City Lights because that kind of just opened the door for me and it just opened my eyes to like what this world is this world of just classic cinema um and charlie chaplin was was one of the the staple people of of that old school era and 
Um, you know how like you always you 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 never have your first time ever again for anything. And I will always cherish the first time I got to experience this absolute classic. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're, you're, it doesn't differ. It doesn't differ a lot from mine. My experience. I mean, it does a little bit in the details, but it is it is a movie that I sought out as well. Um, and it was also because I saw it on a list, not the not that book, but I saw it um, on the. And I'm not sure if it still is. I'm assuming it still is on the IMDb top 250. Let me look real quick. Yep, it is on the IMDb Top 250, uh, sitting at number 35 right now. Um, and, uh, you know, back when I, – I've told this before, but back when I first got Netflix in 2004, back in my day in 2004, yeah. uh, and it was just DVDs, you know, I had a mission to, like, go through the entire IMDb Top 250 and and, and, go, and knock off every movie I'd ever seen, and, you know. And I did that. I, did, I was up to date at one point. I am no longer up to date. There's, like, newer films on there that I haven't seen. But at one point, I, I had seen every movie in the, in the, in the Top 250, but um, – uh, so I got to this film, and it was uh, it, it was not my first Chaplin. The first Chaplin I ever saw was in college. Uh, I had seen the Gold Rush in college. Nice, and I enjoyed the Gold Rush a lot. Um, and, and in in other film school, in other kind of film school screenings, I saw some of the shorts, uh, some of the other Chaplin shorts, and then they screened some like clips from other of the movies. I'm not sure if they ever showed City Lights and other clips. They probably did, but they showed you know. Um, so I never really saw like a full length uh uh Chaplin film other than Gold Rush for years. So then when I finally, you know, and there was no rhyme or reason to which movies I saw on the IMDb Top 250. I pretty much just went down the list. So when I got the City Lights, I you know, I I got that, you know, I watched that one. And um I had enjoyed the Gold Rush, but kind of like you I was still a little kind of it may have been like at that point maybe like the second or third silent film I'd ever seen, right? So I was I was still kind of in that like I don't know, it's a silent film, I don't know if I'm going to I'm gonna stay awake through this, and because that, that's the problem I've had in the past, where I've like uh, sometimes when I watch the film at home, I, I will sometimes kind of start to drift if it's not particularly interesting, um, and I'll start to like not pay attention to it. Um, but in it had not all the time, but there are certain ones that like you just they're just not very well done, so you kind of start to lose, you know kind of lose attention um but not with this one this one um you know not only was it amusing and funny but it was also very uh heartwarming and and touching especially at the end uh and and this is uh this quickly became my favorite Chaplin film um it's uh and it's I don't know where I don't know it's been a while since I ranked like my top 10 or my top 20 like of, of what I think should be but it's definitely I think in the top 20 for me of all time Oh, I would definitely put that in my personal like I don't I don't know you know what I probably would say like top 20. I don't know about top 10, but definitely as far as favorites, definitely within that that top 10 range for me as well, I would say. Yeah, I and mean, it it is a beautiful film. Um let let's kind of go over through some of its stats here. Uh it was uh directed, produced, written uh, composed uh, by Charles Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin, and also stars Chaplin as the little tramp character. Also stars Virginia Sherrill, Florence Lee, Harry Myers, and Al Ernest Garcia. Um, it was distributed by United Artists. It came out on January 30th, 1931, uh, and um, not considered for any major awards at the time, but it uh, but uh, it. Uh, Retroactively was on several AFI lists. Uh, it was on the number 76 on the 100 movies, 38 on 100 laughs, 
number 10 on 100 Passions, which is, I think, their uh, romantic movies. Um, it was number he, the, the Tramp was number 38 on their uh, Heroes and Villains, uh, number 33 on their Most Inspirational, and it bumped up to number 11 on their 10th anniversary of their 100 movies. And let's see what else. Oh, and it's their number one romantic comedy film. So a lot of AFI sees it uh, in in high regard. Um, and I would I, I would probably rank it my number one romantic comedy film as well. If I if if we're uh, if I were to break it down to subgenres like that too. Yeah, it's definitely definitely up there for me as far as uh, just just as a film in general. Like I'm I mean if you want to break it down, we could. Um, I'm sure it'll top many of uh, of the subgenres for me, but just overall as a film, this is this is one that like personally, I would probably recommend this Chaplin film first to anybody who hasn't seen Chaplin because to me this kind of overall it it's a perfect representation of what Chaplin was, what his film style was what the tramp was and how, and like his significance to kind of, you know, the great characters of film and kind of just, this is the perfect picture of, 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 of the Charlie Chaplin of the, of the, of the, of the world famous Charlie Chaplin that, uh, that, uh, that we still remember today. Right. Um, so a little background on this film. Uh, it was released in 1931, which is three years after, uh, the talkies kind of start, uh, kind of came out. I think uh, with the first one being the jazz singer, jazz in singer. Yep. Um, now it, it took several years to film, so there is some there. There is a little bit of the reason why it, you know you still had a silent film come out uh, in the talkie era uh, because after after jazz singer came out and became such a big success, um, you know you had a lot of films kind of either kind of. Uh, Rush to like convert their talkie or their, their silent film into a talkie, or that, or just start shooting talkies from that point forward. Um, so it did take him like three years to actually get it on film. And he, Chaplin, being a, an artiste, uh, a, a an auteur, if you will, was not going to be kind of convinced to to do things differently. But the other thing was, he also didn't think that uh, talkies were going to last. Uh, probably one of the <laughs> uh, he he was quoted as saying, "Give talk, give the talkies three years." That's all. So he's wrong about that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one thing is that, it, interestingly enough, although it's a silent film in the performances, it's actually not technically a silent film because it was released with uh, with a uh, a built-in soundtrack. Uh, the the score, the musical score, was part of the actual release of the film because by the time it came out, um, they no longer had you know live orchestras in movie theaters to to play along uh, with with uh with silent films anymore so he kind of had to ma- he kind of had to produce a a and compose a soundtrack and an actual musical soundtrack musical score to accompany the film um even though the the performances were silent right right and, and you know you you were talking about just now of of how he said give the talkies three years now if he had said give 3d blu-ray three years he probably would have been right yeah, <laughs> because well. you don't really see that anymore Unfortunately, now and I, and I was an early adopter of that, so you can imagine how how annoyed I am. <laughs> yeah, I I never I never I always give um I always waited out on new technology. Like now, the only one that I'm probably not going to wait, I, I'm waiting out, but not because I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but because I 
I just I don't have the I have not converted to to the technology yet is 4K. Now 4K is, right. I think is definitely going to stick around. Um, but I don't have a 4K TV or a 4K player, so right now I'm going to wait till that the price on that stuff goes down before I upconvert to that. You yeah, know? same here. Yeah, I'm waiting. Uh, maybe in a couple years I can finally upgrade my TV to a 4K one. Yeah. Um, but for now, yeah, I'm I'm just like like you. I'm just waiting it out. I'm just buy my regular Blu-rays until then. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I think after I think 4K is going to be the last physical media. I think after that, it's just going to go purely digital. Yeah, uh, I I don't I don't see I don't and then and then when I see last physical media, I'm not saying people won't still produce things on on physical media. I'm just saying I think that'll be the last innovation in physical media because I I honestly don't see because 4K is like the ultimate in def, in high definition, right? You really can't get better than that. Um, and and as we move to more digital world, you know, we, you know, we were talking about earlier with the with the uh, you know, with the producing our collections and stuff. But um, as we move on to a digital world, I, I just don't see more like people adopting like more like new new forms of physical media. So um, I think that will be our last physical media uh, innovation. Absolutely, you're you're right about that because, like you said, like where else can you go after 4K? Like that that's it. You know, like uh, it's gonna it's gonna be purely like any further innovations will be purely digital after that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, but that's, that's interesting to think when you think about it. Um, I, unless they find some way to do like, you know, augment reality, do augmented reality, um, physical media. But I, again, I don't know. I don't, I don't see yeah. that really be, I think augmented reality, that's, the, that's one of those like wait and see ones, you know, right. Like that's like a, yeah, it's neat, but it's still a gimmick, you know, like let's wait and see on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so so yeah, he he did not have the foresight to think that, and it's interesting because you, in general, you would think, well, of course, once sound is introduced, people want to hear the movie as well as see it. You know, people aren't going to want to hear people talking. But yeah, he, he, you know, and a lot of people back in the silent era, you know, had had resistance to moving into into talkies just because, you know, their acting style was was specifically was specifically towards silent film with a lot of broad gestures, a lot of pantomime so that people kind of got the point. Um, and you know, there was an art to that. So I can see how people would be, uh, resistant to, to transition over, but he was, he was the last main, he was the last hold, you know, what mainstay holdover. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but he did certainly did not want to move over to it. Um, after city lights, he did move. I think his next film was, uh, the, uh, modern, modern times, modern after times. That, which is about five years later. And then that was, more of a hybrid it was he still had a lot of silent performance in it um but there was some talking in it and there was uh some musical sequences in it but he he still he was still stubborn even 1936 he was still stubborn about doing a completely uh you know talky movie uh and it wasn't until i think the great dictator where he was like all right here we go 1940 uh where he was like it was completely you know a completely talky movie talky yeah um but yeah he he, he didn't definitely didn't want to didn't want to transition and uh but again technically not uh technically not silent because it does have a uh, a filmed soundtrack on it um but still right um so apparently one of the things is that he he had come up with the uh the idea for uh city lights um he I, there's there's someone I, I read this on Wikipedia and I and I also read it in, I also heard it on uh, the uh, Criterion commentary track 
um, where his his mother had died right around the time that he started kind of writing it. Um, and his mother had always you know, had had kind of psychological issues, and he was very close to his mother. And uh, people have theorized that that City Lights is kind of uh, autobiographical, uh, with with the blind girl um, representing um, representing his mother, and the drunken millionaire representing his father, uh, and his, and just kind of the and you know Chaplin himself, obviously represented by the tramp, and his kind of desire to you know be close to his father and also help his mother. I think that's an interesting interpretation of it. And if it was only on one kind of source, like I would have kind of dismissed it, but I saw it in a couple of different sources. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is. Um, because that's, that's not, um, that's not a lens. I was really watch. I usually watch the film through. Um, and I've been meaning to go back and listen to that commentary as well for the, from the criterion Blu-ray. Um, I did, I watched a couple of the featurettes there to kind of prepare for, for this show. Um, but I unfortunately didn't have time to rewatch the film again with the commentary, which I'm definitely going to do now after this because um, I've been trying to do that for a while now. But uh, it's a good commentary yeah, that's, track. That's, I forget who the who the um, who the uh, guy on it. He's a historian of some sort, but I forget uh, I forget who he's on. But he's it's a very good commentary track. Yeah, but uh, but that's definitely an interesting. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think it's more than a theory. I think it's all all, all but confirmed that that was probably his mindset in uh, in writing this. But. Uh, but yeah, but that's that's very uh, that's, that's I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, and it and it's uh, he the film started off with a different. Uh, it initially started differently. It was originally that the film was um, a a clown, a circus clown who goes blind and conceals his blindness from his daughter by just you know by the fact that every time he falls and trips because of his blindness, uh, it, he just turns it into like a pratfall. Uh, for his daughter, who who doesn't know that he's blind, which I think is an interesting, uh, an interesting way to uh, start that story. But then it evolved right. into the girl was the blind one, and you know, obviously he he as the main character was the uh, was the one trying to you know provide a better life for her. Right. Um. So some of the backstory here, uh, as I said, it took years. It took years to to make. Um, a lot of that due to the fact that Chaplin was kind of a uh, notorious perfectionist um, as far as how he wanted things to look exactly oh, how, yeah. he was suppo- how they were supposed to. Um, he, he went through many auditions with, uh, with many different, different actresses, and uh, finally he settled on Virginia Cheryl only because she was the only one that he thought could properly portray blindness on camera. Um, because she actually had, uh, she was actually nearsighted. Um, so she, so it didn't, it, while near being nearsighted, isn't completely blind. It is certainly, it, it, it apparently helped, uh, her, her, her ability to portray blind. Uh, and she, he was the only one, she was the only one that he could do it. So, uh, but that said, they, they did not get along. <laughs> Um, he and Virginia yeah. Cheryl were were not the best of friends. They 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 fought a lot. Um, she she and especially the apparently the um the scene the op- the scene where they initially meet um whatever she mistakes him for the millionaire and he buys the flower off of her. Uh, that was like the longest scene uh that they had filmed because it they took many 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 takes. I think um, they said forty. I think this right? yeah it was like forty takes and. Uh, that that is, I think, where some of the some of the stuff, uh, some of the uh, tension started. Uh, right. He even fired her at one point uh, and replaced her with uh, Georgia Hale, um, but then he eventually rehired Virginia Cheryl back because 
she again she was the only one who he thought could convincingly portray Brineless. So I think it's interesting that um, two people who basically kind of really disliked each other uh, had a really good chemistry on on screen, and 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 you and you really could tell. I mean, it really speaks to Chaplin's ability as an actor that he he really that you could buy that the character really cared for this girl, even though Chaplin the man really couldn't stand her. Right, right. And I think uh, from what I – I think this was talked about on one of the featurettes too that, yeah, he, when he did fire Virginia Sherrill, it was really late into the production already. And then, you know, he tried to bring in Georgia Hale, who's worked with before, was very fond of her. And they they just couldn't make it work because I mean, it was already so late into production. You couldn't just replace, you know, the, the lead female, you know, at that point when practically the whole film is, is all but done. So they had to bring uh, Virginia Sherrill back too much to uh, to Chaplin's chagrin. But like you just said, it is kind of amazing when you kind of when you discover that they pretty much hated each other behind the scenes. You don't get a hint of that on film on the celluloid that you watch. So uh, that absolutely speaks to the talent and professionalism of both of them, you know, in the end, because, you know, their personal feelings for each other aside, they were able to make some magic, and that's that's what and that's what's important at the end. Yeah, um, and it's it is you know the the, the final product is is, is such, such a beautiful work of art. Um, one thing that I think is uh, kind of amazing is the the ratio of of film shot to completed film in the movie. Uh, he shot over three hundred thousand feet of film, and the completed film is about eight thousand feet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, that's a ratio of like I I can't do math. That's what a uh, a fourth? No, not even a fourth. That's that's less than that. It's four um, percent. Is it four percent that I'm thinking of? I can't. Let's, I can't. Let's do go. Math. Let's go with that. Let's uh, go for it. Let, let, let me do the math real quick. So it doesn't sound like a total moron. Um, so it's a uh, eight thousand divided by three hundred thousand. Uh, oh no, it's it's uh two percent. It's two percent. two percent of of what of what was filmed uh ended up uh being used in the, in the final, which I think is that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And again, it's because he 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 was a, a massive perfectionist. Um, but again, he the you know it turned out a great movie. He, this is um, he's often said this is his favorite film. Um, it's funny because he says it's his favorite film, but he also says that uh, he's also said that the one that he wants to be remembered for is the Gold Rush, which is interesting right. that it, it's there's a dichotomy there. Um, so like maybe his personal favorite is City Lights, but he thinks what best represents him is the Gold Rush. Interesting. Which exactly, and then I kind of feel differently. Like I said earlier, I think for anybody who's never seen Chaplin, I think City Lights is the one you should you should show people. Yeah, I think it's the one I to start that, with. Absolutely. That better encapsulates what Chaplin was. Not that the Gold Rush doesn't do that, but I think City Lights is almost—it's almost the perfect representation of Chaplin. Yeah, um, but let, let's let's get into let's get into the film. We're gonna kind of go uh, into a little bit of the uh, kind of general overview of the plot here. Uh, so we we start the film um, with uh, <laughs> with the tramp, the little tramp, uh, sleeping on a on a statue. Um, that that says uh, peace and prosperity uh, on it, which is kind of a 
uh, already he's kind of digging in at, at society there. You know, yeah. you've got a basically a homeless homeless bum sitting on top of a a statue that says "Peace and Prosperity," uh, as and it's uh, it's an unveiling of this statue by like the mayor or, or whatever he is he's supposed to be, um, and uh, it's the statue's underneath like a big cloak, and he, you know he takes it off, and then uh, there there he is sitting on like the lap of this like. I think it's like a like a like a woman or something. Yeah. Um, and then of course he's got he's got some uh some some funny slapstick bits here. Yeah, he like he gets like his uh his pants caught in like the sword and all that and he, and he can't get free of that. Like, he 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 gets like every part of his body caught somewhere on the statue and that goes on for probably maybe like 2 minutes, 2 or 2 2 and a half minutes. But he, it's he, hilarious. He's caught he's caught kind of like admiring the the nude statues well which i think is funny yes that's right after this yes so he he comes across uh the, i guess it's the storefront um and there's like a uh, statue of a nude woman there and and he's uh he's admiring it and then yes they do show like the the sculpted buttocks of this of the statue so uh this was 1931 pre-code so there you go um <laughs> And uh, and then we get uh, another slapstick bit where like with the with the platform, which I thought was st- the the payoff for that was great too. Yeah, the, where where he keeps uh, going back and forth, and then there's a sidewalk elevator uh, that every time he gets near it, it looks like he's about to fall into it. And then he walks away from it, and then you know the the elevator goes up, and then he goes back. He walks backwards, and again it looks like he's about to fall into it. And he goes back and forth. It's funny because there's uh, I had re- um I have this uh uh. I had rented this disc uh, from Netflix a long time ago called Unknown Chaplain, and it was basically a bunch of unproduced, un or unproduced as in like uh, unreleased, unreleased footage of uh, different bits that he had, had had recorded. Some of them ended up like being used in different movies, um, and but there was a, a there was a thing with this where he was practicing this sequence, um, and it, it was kind of like. I don't know, like, because he would do that sometimes where he would just film things that he had ideas for, but he didn't really know where he was going to put them. Like, he had an idea for a bit, so he'd film it to see if it would work, and then he would incorporate it into an into a movie and like film it again. And so, I, so he had he had been practicing this this sidewalk elevator thing had been kind of boiling in his mind for a while because like there's there's footage of him. Not, I don't even think he's if I remember correctly, I don't think he's even in like the tramp makeup. He's just kind of uh, like kind of dressed as it like he normal like in his quote unquote civilian clothes and he's doing the bit of yeah. with the with the uh sidewalk elevator which I think is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. So uh so after, you know, kind of missing it one too many times, he finally almost falls into the to the hole from the elevator and he starts yelling down the hole. Um one of the, I guess the uh, workers, I don't know if it was like an underground worker or whatnot comes up. He starts berating him for moving the elevator for the fact that he almost fell. But then the elevator slowly comes back up to the surface, and you, you reveal that this worker is like this huge, like almost out of the giant, like tall guy. <laughs> and then <laughs> you, you just see how quickly Chaplin start stops screaming at him and just kind of runs away. <laughs> so that, I, I, that that payoff was was awesome. I love that bit. And, and again, it kind of uh, it, it's a lot of physical comedy. It's a lot of uh, a pantomime stuff, and it's again like to what you said earlier. This is this I think is the movie to show someone who who's never seen Charlie Chaplin or, or even never seen a silent film before because he can he he portrays a lot just through physicality and in in the um uh, in the Criterion uh, um, in the Criterion commentary 
Uh, again, I forget who the uh, who the commentator was, but they were saying that he was saying that this film actually has a lot less of the intertitle cards uh, to describe what's going on than than most of the Chaplin films had up to that date. He, he kept it really really slim. Only whenever he felt that the that the cam what was going on on screen wouldn't properly portray what he was, wanted to say. Um, he he and it was usually only like with scene changes and things like that. Um, right. He he barely ever like put put things up there and it, it really is mostly through his performance that you're getting it and then some audio cues too one of the things that we talked about uh, that i forgot to talk about in the opening scene was um whenever they're unveiling the statue you can hear like the 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 guy the uh, i guess he's like a mayor or something yeah. like and he's and, and that's the thing this this is a very uh uh this is a very kind of nebulous city. They don't say what it is. It's not Los Angeles. It's not New York. Um, and I, I, I think, what did I read? It said that uh, the city could be uh, anywhere and nowhere, something like that. Um, let me see. What, what does it say? Um, oh, I forget why I had it written down and I can't find it. But basically, it could be any city. Um, oh, here it is. It is no city and all cities. That's what he called. That's what he there said. There you go. <laughs> it is no city and all cities. Um, and because it does look like pretty much it could be anywhere. Um, but uh, but in the beginning, you see this mayor. He's talking, and they kind of do like the the Charlie Brown thing with that kind of thing. And that was that was actually Chaplin doing that that sound. Um, and it was supposed to kind of mock the talkies at the time. So like he was kind yeah. of while he was making a sound film with the sound with a soundtrack, but with no actual spoken dialogue, he was also kind of taking taking a shot at the talkies of the time, and also kind of because back then, if you look at early nineteen twenty nine nineteen thirty films that had transitioned to talkies, um, even now, even though a lot of them have been restored, and so even now, like the sound quality is terrible, like because they they didn't they they hadn't perfected how to properly capture sound, you know, so you can hear a lot of, like, background, like, hissing and the microphone, like, you know, not everyone's caught on mic very well, things like that. They kind of make fun of that a little bit in Singing in the Rain, I think. Um, but, yeah. it, it, but it, and that's kind of what Chaplin is doing here. He's kind of making fun of the sound quality of talkies by having the, the dude, like, go talk like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you say that it was Chaplin made the sounds. I... When when you hear like the mayor and and that lady whatever she is talk, they sounded like kazoo's to me. Like so, I thought somebody was playing kazoo's. Yeah, it was. It in was kind of like yeah, he was making the sound, but like he was, it was through some sort of artificial thing. Yeah, yeah, because they, they came off like 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 it reminded me of the old uh, the old school Edge and Christian bit from from Raw years ago yeah. with the kazoo's. That's what I thought of when I heard that. I was like oh, they, he somebody's playing kazoo's for these people. It's pretty awesome, but uh, but yeah, but yeah, I, I caught that vibe too. Um, so, you know, we move on and, uh, it, it, you know, the tramp is kind of moving through the city. He encounters a, uh, like a beautiful flower girl on a street corner and, uh, decides that he's gonna, he's gonna buy a flower from her. Um, but he realizes while he's buying the flower from her that she's blind. Um, and I believe it, it's very simple. It's very easily, uh, portrayed because like, uh, you know, he, he's trying to give her, uh, He's trying to give her something like the money, I think, and he drops something, and she's like still looking for it on the ground, and she's like, "Did you find it, sir?" And that's when he realizes, "Oh, 
uh, she's blind, and it it, it, it they don't do much. That's like that's the only dialogue you see on the on the on the title card is oh did you did you find it sir, and that that's all you need through that and her performance to tell you that she's blind, and what I find kind of fascinating is that. You get exactly what happens because this whole thing is a little convoluted. If you look, if right. you, just to describe it, like uh, the, how she starts thinking that he's a that he's a, a rich man instead of a tramp, um, by just describing it is convoluted. But when you watch it on screen, it's very easy to understand. But basically, there's a a, a car that comes up, uh, it, like a, a like a, a chauffeured car. Uh, and then she hears the door slam of that car, and she thinks that that's the tramp getting into the car and driving away. Of course, he's still standing there, um, but she she thinks that he's gone and, and, and uh, automatically assumes that he's rich, um, which, you know, he kind of – at that point, he can't get his change back because she was trying to give him <laughs> his change. Uh, so she thought he was – she thought he was being this very generous millionaire. Um, but now he's like, well, he, he's kind of he's kind of stuck with not having the change back. But he's, you know, it's okay because he clearly has kind of fallen for her. Um, and uh, there's a good bit where he's like kind of still watching her, kind of uh, close by, and she's you know filling out a like emptying out a flower pot and kind of rinsing it out, and then just dumps the water on him. Um, <laughs> yep, that um, was the payoff for that scene, which was which is another good one. Yeah, but it, it's it's funny because again. You, we just I just described it, but it makes a lot more sense when you actually see it. And again, it's a silent film, and you just and it makes total sense just visually without any words. Yeah, absolutely. This scene is is entirely completely fluid, um, and so easy to understand. Like, like like you just said too, us describing it is a bit complicated in a way, but. When you actually watch it, just everything just flows nicely. Everything, everything makes sense, you know, just from the visual cues to the sound. Everything, everything worked, and everything told the story of the scene the way it was supposed to. I think there was only one title card in this scene. It was when she says, "You know, you forgot your change." Yeah. Um, but uh, but everything else, like you just just from the body language, from the facial cues, just from all of that stuff, you you already understand what's going on. Um, and, you know, and then like, like we said already, like that, that, that nice little payoff when uh, she's rinsing the pot and she throws it on him <laughs> not realizing that he's there, obviously. So, uh, so, you know, he's, uh, kind of smitten by her. He's kind of, I don't want to say stalking her yet, but you know, he's just kind of watching her and then he gets the water thrown on him and that's, that's the end of the scene. But, uh, but it's a nice way to kind of introduce, you know, the, the little romantic subplot that's about to take place. Um, but. But like like we are like we already said, just everything about this scene, perfect. Everything, and this was the scene that took forty takes. Yeah. So and, and yeah, it, it it came out perfect. It took forty takes, but it it's absolutely perfect. It conveys everything it needs to convey, and it's 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 really good, really well acted, really well written. Every everything was great about it. Um. So then, so we have two subplots in this film. One is the the romantic subplot with the. Not subplot, but the two plots. And so one is a plot with the uh, the romantic pl- plot with the blind flower girl, and the other one is like the more wacky comedy plot with this drunken millionaire. So that night he's kind of by he's kind of sleeping by the river, and uh, in comes this drunken millionaire, clearly ready to kill himself. He's about to like throw himself into the into the water, uh, and uh, the tramp saves him. And after the tramp saves him, the the millionaire is you know kind of like. <sighs> 
grateful and thankful, and then you know they become best buddies. Uh, and you know they go out on a night on the town. They get super <laughs> drunk. Um, there's a whole scene where they're in like a nightclub, and like you know uh, the the tramp starts eating like the string of a balloon, thinking it's spaghetti. Uh, so there's this whole sequence of them like going out on the town, doing a whole bunch of stuff. And the gag here is that the 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 millionaire only recognizes him when he's drunk. But he's drunk. Uh, but when he's sober, he never remembers him. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you for a minute because the scene at the at, at the dock is has probably my favorite piece of physical comedy in the entire movie. It's when uh, he uh, he takes the rope off of the millionaire's neck, but then the millionaire throws the boulder in any way, and then he uh, yanks. The tramp into the water, yeah. bro. That's my favorite physical gag in this entire movie, bro. Just the way it's executed and the way he kind of just flies into the water, bro. It's so wacky. <laughs> and it's in every tra- – there's three trailers for the uh, for this film in the Criterion. And each one of those trailers features that scene. And every time they showed it, I would bust out laughing because it's just the – just the, the everything from the facials to the way he just flew in there and just went with it was so awesome. And freaking – that's the epitome of wackiness, bro. And I, I love it. I love this scene. I love that stunt. And just everything about it was great. And then we get into, of course, the nightclub. And then just shenanigans abound from the cigar. I, I love that cigar bit, too, because the cigar – he so he starts smoking a cigar at the table. I guess he's having – he's never – I not really smoked a cigar before. He's not really used to it. So he kind of gets rid of – he throws it over his shoulder in a nightclub, by the way. It lands on a poor woman. See, she sits on it. Her dress kind of catches on fire. And the guy <laughs> – and he tries to put it out by tapping her ass. <laughs> I love that part. Bro, this movie how brilliant is this movie, bro? I love, so it's like the 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 the, the one way the one thing you the one the one thing the one time you can get away with tapping a woman's ass is is if her ass is on fire <laughs> because you could yeah. just play it off like you're just trying to help her put it out. <laughs> so it it, it 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 is kind of funny how like the whole movie like it just goes back and forth between these like kind of sweet scenes and then these completely off the wall wackiness and, and and the nightclub is such a wacky scene and just in general with, with the thing with the, where he's trying to put the woman's butt out on fire and and the and the you know the the, the gag of him falling into the water is pretty hilarious and, and 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 he's so good at that kind of physical like i don't know if you want to call it i guess it's slapstick right that that kind of comedy right. slapstick but uh it, i almost feel like it's almost uh almost demeaning to call it slapstick because i think it's a little bit more than that but he's so good at it because he he like you said he takes that dive into the water (laughs) like really good um and then like the whole and then while they're in the nightclub they're like they keep stopping each like the other one from like getting into a fight and like and it's like because i love what like especially when the tramp does it like because he's this tiny little guy right and right. then like he, he, he like gets in people's face and starts like taking off his coat like he's gonna have a fight and like the the demeanor has to stop him and vice versa it's just i don't know it's very good physical comedy Right, absolutely. And then uh like you said, there's this scene where like the uh the, the couples start kinda arguing and then Chaplin the the tramp gets in there and wants to fight the guy. <laughs> he shows him <laughs> and then they, there's this whole ruckus that they cause. Um and then eventually they do they do leave the club, I think like at dawn. And then uh <laughs> and then the uh I love this bit where they're driving back to the to the guy's mansion, to, to the guy's house, and then uh 
the title card comes, you know, you know, you know, watch how you're driving. And then the millionaire goes, I'm driving and then the face on Chaplin. When he realizes that the guy doesn't even know he's driving, he grabs the steering wheel like his life depended on it, bro. And he starts driving the car. Yep. <laughs> That's a great little little bit, too. But, yes, it does lead to the whole uh, I guess the whole the whole punchline of this of this subplot where uh the millionaire only recognizes the tramp when he's drunk, when he's sober, like, who is this guy? You know, get him out of my house or whatever. So, um, but yeah, so it, got, it gets to the point where like the drunk millionaire lets him keep his Rolls Royce. Um, and then once the guy gets sober, he takes his car back. Like it, it's, it's things like that that kind of emphasize the point, but it, 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 it has kind of tragic overtones later on as we get further into the film. But right now it's just hilarious. Right. And he, and he manages to get some, some money from the millionaire, uh, to go to because he sees a flower girl on the street and then buys like a whole bunch of flowers uh, to to get her, uh, you know, to, you know, kind of keep the charade up that he's the uh, that he's this wealthy millionaire and he's got the car and everything that she, you know, that she can hear that he's driving in and everything. Um, so but then, uh, you know, again, he, he drops the car back off and, and then the whole thing is like, yeah, who are you? Why are you here? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah, that, that's a great sequence. Um so, uh, uh, when when he returns the car to the mansion, um, the he has the but the butler has has him thrown out. Is this is this the one where I can't remember the sequence? Is this the one where they wake up in the same bed, or is it that's the next later sequence? on? That's, okay, because that's, that's, that's really later. funny sequence too. Yes. Um, okay, that's the later. Yeah. So the the butler has him thrown out, um, and. Uh, and uh, but you know we get another go back to the the subplot of the of the uh, flower girl and you know the the flower girl you know she has a grandmother she sells with that she's telling her about her 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 rich friend um, and is this where I'm not sure I think this is where uh, like the tramp kind of like he's not, he's kind of sp- not spying that's not the word but he's kind of eavesdropping on their conversation uh, and and knows that he finds out they're like super poor and they they need you know that. Uh, the they don't have it like they're gonna get thrown out of their their apartment and everything like that. Is that this? T- is it then? Or it's it not later? what. Right, it's not when he first drops her off. It's, okay. I think he comes to visit her um, okay. one day, and then uh, he kind of sticks around. He kind of spies through the window, and he kind of hears that like they're kind of you know down their luck and what. No, no. The second time he comes to see her, like she's already sick. Remember, like the doctor's okay. there and all that because he comes by the corner where she's usually at, and she's not there. So he goes to goes to her house and he looks through the window and she's in bed sick. The doctor, you know, is treating her. So that's when uh, we get the little bit where like the neighbor comes out and sees him and then he, like he drops the water on him, the barrel. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, a, that's, yeah, that's a good scene too. But yeah. <laughs> um, so then we have another sequence with the with the millionaire where uh, the millionaire sees him on the street. He's drunk again. He remembers him again. And my he, friend. Yeah. <laughs> and here's here's something I found interesting. They they said that uh, the, the the this is from the Criterion commentary. And I don't know if this guy is reading a little too much into it, but I do think it's it's a uh, it's interesting. Is that the millionaire is basically Judas because he denies the chap uh, he denies the tramp three times, which oh, I think okay. is interesting. Oh, I think it's a uh, little you're reaching a little bit there, but it's still interesting <laughs> nonetheless. Um, so he finds the he, he find the millionaire finds him. My friend. They have another massive party this time at the millionaire's mansion um and uh a lot more more gags here the whistle gag is the best one here yes so uh i mean he has a whistle for whatever reason and then at some point he actually inhales the whistle and swallows it so whenever he tries to talk all you hear is the whistle 
And, uh, and, and, and what I love here is not so much what I was looking at the whole time because I, I've seen this movie many times already. But this this last screening that I had, I wasn't staring so much at Chaplin during this, but I was staring at the woman next to him and her facials, like her reacting to his his whistle. And she, and she's just like, just, you know what to do. Like, do I help this guy? Am I supposed to like take him to a hospital? Like, she just kind of sits there and kind of lets him just whistle the entire time. Um, and, he, and eventually, I guess the guy's trying to like do a little performance on the piano or, not, or sing or, or whatever. And then he, he gets interrupted by Chaplin's whistle. So Chaplin gets up to leave. He goes outside and then, you know, he keeps whistling. And he attracts he attracts a taxi cab who thought he was calling the taxi, which is good. And then all of a sudden he attracts like this horde of dogs that he takes inside with him to the party. Bro. <laughs> this, is, this was this was another great gag. Yeah, that that was that was a good one. Um, and then of course after another night of debauchery, uh, this is where he wakes up in his apartment, right? Yeah, in the bedroom. In the yeah. bedroom, yeah. <laughs> this is such a this is such a good scene because because it's like. Uh, because because the guy with the billionaire wakes up and he just like looks over and he's like who is this guy in my bed exactly I mean, it's funny because i guess chaplin gets him to take a leak or something yeah yeah and then he comes back into the bed and like kind of like sits up next to him and then, like chaplin and, and, gives and, and him like he, a little he, pat on the cheek on, on the cheek <laughs> and he goes back to sleep <laughs> and and then the, the the what's funny is is that the it, the the actor and I forget I should look up the actor's name. Let me look it up real quick. The actor William plays something, the, I think. his name is uh, Harry Myers. Harry um, Myers. Yeah, yeah, he he does this great bit as soon as like Chaplin goes back to sleep, where he kind of looks at the camera and then like kind of puts his hand to his head, like is like almost just saying, "What did I do? <laughs> what did I do?" Like, <laughs> so I'm then, sure there was there was some undertone there a little yeah. bit, <laughs> but which, uh... which Chaplin plays with later in the boxing scene. But we'll get to that, right? Um, but so that again, so then again, he get, gets the, the the butler to throw him out. Which, by the way, why doesn't the butler just say, "This is your friend. This is the guy you've been hanging out with." Like, why don't you like the butler's kind of a jerk. He like, is. He, like yeah. he just he could easily just fix the whole situation by saying, "This is your friend. Like he's he's been here and you've been hanging out with him." <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he likes to tramp very much, so uh, he's doing that on purpose. <laughs> Um, so I think this is where we, we talk about how she, uh, how he, he, uh, he kind of spies on them and gets the information that the grandmother is, is, is I'm sorry, that the, that she's, you know, she's sick, that she's sick, foul girl sick. So she, there's no income right now because she, she's not selling any flowers. So he decides to take a job as a street sweeper to kind of, and then kind of, you know, help with their income. And again, so, this has one of my favorite gags in the entire movie where like he's, 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 he, he's you know pushing like the and a street sweeper back then was basically like cleaning up like horse crap like off the horse uh, off, crap yeah. because you know even though it was you know even though there was still uh even though we had cars there were still people walking around on horses so you still needed people to clean up the the horse crap so there's a, he's walking down the street with this little cart and then he just sees like this parade of horses and he's just like <laughs> and he's just like nope and he just turns it around and then uh and then he sees uh and the payoff, bro. The elephant. <laughs> That's the elephant walks by. And then he sees the then, elephant walk by, and he's just like, he just has this look, like really, like <laughs> almost like he wants to just throw the the the, the broom down and just walk off, bro. <laughs> that was that was awesome. Um, he's got another he's got another bit here where he after he's uh, done with the done with his shift. He's uh, trying to wash up, and he's the, the the cleaning station is next to like the uh, 
uh, where this guy's yeah. eating his lunch and he takes he like this guy he takes like this guy's cheese and he uses it as soap. He uses it as soap, and then like the the guy. I mean, I mean, it's a really obvious gag, right? But like, and the guy puts the soap into a sandwich, and then he starts blowing bubbles out of his mouth. It's <laughs> it's so silly. Um, there, and there's a uh, um, apparently there's a, an editing mistake here because like when he starts to wash his face, like he's actually got different colored pants on than later in the scene. And then, like, apparently, uh, in years later, like, Chaplin said, like, if people are noticing that, then maybe I didn't do the scene well enough. <laughs> he, 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 he has a point there. <laughs> You're not supposed to be thinking about that. But he, he ends up getting fired from that job. Uh, but not before he, he gets some money to, like, buy, buy them some groceries and uh, kind of still help out with them. But, you know, he clearly... Uh, and that's when he notices that they're over they're overdue on rent. I think is right. whenever he's yes. there. Yes, he finds a letter that it was, I guess, in, in in the book or photo album, whatever it was, that the grandmother hid that they're they're late on their rent and they have until I think the next day to pay the twenty two dollars overdue, bro. Twenty two dollars. Uh, you know, I had I looked up where there was. I did look up what what that would be in in twenty eighteen dollars. Let me see if I can find it again. There's like a an inflation. Um, there's an inflation calculator online. Let me see if I can find it again. So $22 in 1931. Okay, here it is. Uh, is equal to what now? Because that sounds so ridiculous, $22. <laughs> in 2018 dollars, that's $348. Which, okay, I can see okay. that being. Yeah. I, for like that little like little shack they had, I, I can yeah. see that. <laughs> okay. um, so, again, this guy's desperate for money because he's uh, trying to help them out. Uh, he's he, he, Someone... Uh, <laughs> this this kind of con man comes up to him and is like, hey, you want to make some money for a boxing match? Uh, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll we're gonna each get paid, but uh, I'm gonna, one of us will take a dive. I think he's he's supposed to take the dive, uh, right. and um, you know we'll each split split the pay fifty fifty. And and the champ or the tramp is like, well, as long as you don't hurt me, that's fine. So that you see them in the locker room, and then as he's getting dressed, the the other guy, the con man, uh, like gets a message that the cops are after him, so he books, and so he leaves the tramp by himself. And now the tramp is stuck with with uh, having to have a fight with like. Uh, with a uh, with a real this, boxer, this random dude, bro, and I think, and then the idea too was, I think the winner take all was fifty dollars. Yeah. So if they were to split that, that'd already be enough to cover the rent if they get twenty five, twenty five. So, but now that the con man split because he found out the cops were after him, now you know he's trying to make the deal with the other dude. You know, do you want to just you know we'll take it easy, we'll we'll split fifty fifty? Like, oh no, winner take all, winner take all. So now the look on, on the tramp's face when he realizes he has to fight the guy now is like he's, he's probably like trying to book an exit right there too. And then the, I love the gag right after that with with the black boxer where uh, he has like the the horseshoe and the rabbit's foot, and then he gets knocked out. And he starts like so he starts like rubbing it all over him, and then like as soon as like he gets the the guy gets knocked out, he like starts like trying to like wash it off, wash it off of him. <laughs> <laughs> so so then like he tries to make a deal with like the 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 guy he's actually supposed to fight, and the the guy's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. And he keeps kind of making like these like googly eyes at him, like he's like trying to like flirt with them all yeah not more undertone <laughs> like and, and the dude the dude eventually like gets like freaked out and then like goes into like a um like the he sees him like he starts to undress and he like looks over at the tramp who's kind of give him in like this face and he like gets gets behind a curtain and starts to undress instead which is like a funny like uh, uh 
it's it's a funny gag, but you know, it's it maybe in, in twenty eighteen, not 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 the most politically correct thing. Right. Then we have the boxing sequence, which I think is a really fun sequence, really well coordinated. Uh, like it, it's it almost feels like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Well, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, this he'd already done this before for a short. I don't know if it was unreleased or not, but I forgot what the name of the short was. But he had done this kind of boxing sequence, this boxing choreography before for another uh, another maybe short film or whatever it was. But um, but that's how. And then he kind of incorporated it here, and it was it's absolutely it's, it's amazing. It really is almost like a cartoon come to life here. You know, they they do that the little swing and dance. You know. Um, <laughs> The, uh, the tramp hides behind the ref constantly, and the and the ref is following along with everything, like unbeknownst to him. Like he's like he's not realizing that as he's walking, the tramp is walking right behind him, so he can't get to the boxer, to the fighter guy, and it, it, and just everything about this is just so wacky and out of control that it's just it's it's all it's 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 almost. Like a like it, it's almost art in and of itself, you know. It's yeah, just it, it, I mean, absolutely it's, amazing. It's a super it's a super well choreographed sequence. Um, and but some of my favorite bits are like he's like he had, the tramp actually gets a couple shots in, but the guy won't go down. So the tramp tries to like grab him by the shoulders and push him down so he stays down. Um, he does a wrestling move at one point. He bounces off the ropes and There's like fear, flies bro. At him. <laughs> and, um. But yeah, apparently this was this is Chaplin's favorite scene. Uh, he 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 was like he uh, he just think he because it's a lot of fun. It's a really fun sequence, right? So this I think he he said that this is his favorite scene. And then like sometimes he would like just be caught like just watching it like at screenings and stuff because he he really liked to just, he just really liked to watch the scene because it was it was a lot of hard work and you know it was and it, but it it was executed really well. Yeah, and then I think the uh, the the payoff to this other other than the result of the fight was. Uh... Um, the sequence with the bell was awesome, bro. Where like he he gets his neck caught on the on the rope for the bell, and every time he walks, he rings the bell. And every time they ring the bell, it's like okay, the round's over. And then two seconds later, oh no, wait, the fight's back. No wait, it's over. No wait. <laughs> so that was that was a great little gag too. But then eventually, like they they both knock each other out. They both get up, but then finally, you know, the the fighter knocks out the tramp, wins the fight, and uh, and there goes that source of income for uh for our boy Chaplin. All right. And of course, one more time, he runs into the millionaire, uh, and the millionaire, his buddy, is all over again. They go back to his house to hang out, uh, and, and then here we get like uh, uh, some title cards, basically saying that the the tramp has told him of of, of of the situation, and the the millionaire starts to like give him uh, give him some money. He's like, "Will a thousand dollars be enough?" Um, and and the, the tramp's like, "Yeah." So like, uh, but then of course the tragic part is is that because the um, millionaire never remembers him uh, during this sequence, they, they, there's some some uh, like uh, some robbers break into the house, uh, and then. Uh, a whole a whole ordeal ensues where where like the uh the the guy gets knocked out the 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 police come uh the the tramp is like you know caught by the police and uh and of course they find money on him uh and the when the the millionaire wakes up again he's like he doesn't recognize the uh <laughs> he does not recognize the tramp yeah, so like he sees telling you know the million like you know tell the tell them that you gave me this money tell them you gave me the money and he and then he's like you know who he tells the butler who is this man so then at that at that point it's done for the tramp so you know he kind of runs off 
you know, he goes outside. The cops are already showing up, so they don't suspect he's the guy. So he's like directly like, oh, the guy's inside. The guy's inside. So they all run inside, and the tram kind of hightails it. So that's the end of that scene. Which again, it, it's it's very tragic that you know the kind of what started off as a nice little slapstick gag. You know, the millionaire remembers him when he's drunk. Now has bad consequences for for our hero. <laughs> but he does still keep the money because he gets away with the money, right? Um, and he he manages to get back to the um to the uh to the blind girl's uh, apartment, gives her the money, but then he has to split because he knows the cops are still looking for him. He, the, they eventually catch up with him, and they put him in jail. Yeah, there you go. So it's not like he just – yeah, he got to give the money to, to, uh, to the blind girl before, you know, before getting caught. But in the end, he did have to pay for that for I don't know how many months. But yeah, our, our tramp is in jail at this point. So the passage of time uh, kind of goes by. Uh, and then after, I think like a year or something like that, uh, the we see that the the blind girl is uh, is running a flower shop. Right. Uh, she's no longer blind, and uh, she's uh, you know she's leading a good life now. Uh, she she sees that you know millionaire comes into her shop. She thinks that maybe it's him, but it's not him. Oh yeah, we yeah we not to cut you up, but we didn't talk about that. Also, that you know they that there was a point earlier in the film that they were reading in the paper that there was this big like laser surgery to cure blindness, oh, right. like yes. in Europe. So uh, so I mean he he gave her the money for the rent, but then the rest of the thousand dollars was for her to get fixed, right? To, exactly for her to 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 get cured of her blindness. So now cut to a year later, whatever however long it is. You know, she has a flower shop, and now obviously she got treated, and she's no longer blind. Right. Um, so the tramp has been released from prison. Uh, he he's kind of kind of down, really down in his luck, even worse off than the beginning of the film. His clothes are really tattered. Um, he he kind of gets you know some kids kind of play a prank on him, and he in the right in front of the, the flower shop window, the the flower girl kind of takes some pity on him. She sees him, and she obviously she doesn't know it's him. Uh, she's like, oh, here I have a, I have a, I have some money for you, and uh, and she's like a flower. But then once he sees her, he kind of like tries to run away because he doesn't really want to realize that it's. She doesn't want him, her to know that it's him. Uh, but then she, she, you know, runs out, catches up to him. She's like, no, here's your money, and like, and this is perfect because there's no titles here. It, right. It's all through the the acting and the pantomime. She gives him the money, and she gives him the flower, and then she like put, you know, takes her. Uh, I mean, there's some titles, but like the realization is without titles. She takes his hand and she's like, and then she just kind of looks at him, and just by kind of touching his hand and like get, like getting a sense of him, she realizes who he is, and she goes, uh, um, "I think the, the 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 title sequence is basically, um, she's like you, and and he kind of confirms that it's him, and and he goes, "Can you see now?" Uh, and she says, "Yes, I can see," which is a very powerful moment because it's not just i can see like i can see you but it's like now i can also see like i see what you did for me right and then uh and that to know, me is like the best that to me is like one of the greatest ending shots of a movie absolutely absolutely then you see like his, the tramp's face you know he smiles and then just as he starts to smile the film fades and and that city lights but uh absolutely yeah, that that ending kind of with its uncertainty because yeah she recognizes him. It's obvious that she's thankful. You know, he smiles because, you know, he recognizes her and, and she's thankful. But, like, that doesn't mean they end up together. Like, we don't know what happens, you know. So that 
that whole uncertainty around it, plus the fact that, you know, we got to see, you know, the blind girl, well, the not blind girl anymore, recognize, you know, the tramp for everything he did for her, still left us with the satisfying ending while still having, you know, a question about whether or not that, you know, they do end up together or what happens after that. But we still have that satisfaction knowing that she knows that it was him. So, um, the so the film was released uh, as we said in 1931, well after the the the, the sound era had begun, uh, and uh, Chaplin was you know at that point nervous because even though he had started it before the sound era kind of took off and he had refused to to make it a talkie, by the time it actually got released, he was actually like, well, maybe this it might not work out so well because maybe the you know the way there's no silent films anymore it's literally just talkies so uh he was nervous about it um but uh and it was also the most expensive movie he had made up until that point costing uh one and a half million dollars you know in 1931 money um and but you know his his uh it was not well founded uh nervousness because the film was a big hit for him uh, grossing $5 million, which is a huge hit for the time. Um, again, $5 million in 1931 money. I don't know what that translates to now, but uh, that, that, you know, that he, considering it cost one and a half and he made five, he more than tripled his money, right? Um, so, right. Uh, it, you know, it was a big hit for him uh, and, you know, kind of a, um, kind of a, uh, uh, What's the word like a, a a validation that you know of, of his insistence on saying the film still working? Right, right. And then, uh, I mean, this film was praised up and down. Um, if you want to go into more, uh, let's say more contemporary, as far as like you know, directors that I admire, directors that I you know whose work that has come to inspire me. Um, Orson Welles said it was his favorite film. You know, Stanley Kubrick put it in his top five of all time. So did uh. Andre Tarkovsky. So, I mean, there there have been people that have praised this up and down as one of their favorite films. You know, a lot of people that were inspired by it and then went on to make classic films of their own. So it, it just goes to show, like, the, the depth that, you know, Chaplin's influence, not just with, with his career, but with specifically City Lights, how far that influence stretched. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, you know it, it's it, it's kind of... You know, as we look back now, it is kind of ridiculous. It, not one single award nomination for this film at all, um, which is absurd to me. But um, uh, it, it, that said, it, it has grown in esteem over the years. And, and like you said, all those directors have, have kind of uh, uh, rated it highly. AFI's clearly rated it highly. It, it's it's every time you see it in like – you always see it in a um, best of, you know, 100 greatest films or in like the – the the book of a uh, thousand films you should see and all this other stuff it's in the national film registry um so it, it's it, it's basically it's earned its spot in history and it to me it is his his best film um i would say i agree i, I would say after that i would put probably the, the great dictator at number two um and funnily enough because they're both like that that like one is like his transition out of sound and one is is like his full-on first sound picture um but uh but yeah those are my two favorite chaplin films uh, but this is the first one where i was like completely blown away by what silent film could do and what it could accomplish absolutely and i will probably put those two as my one and two also together um i i, I love modern times as well i mean i love i love pretty much all of his uh all of his films uh but you know modern times is another one of my favorite limelight is another one of my favorites uh, obviously the gold rush uh the kid 
Uh, just, just a, he's done so many classics that it's almost hard to choose. But like, almost my one, two, three punch are this one, obviously number one, Great Dictator, and then I would put probably Modern Times at my number three. But, but I mean, yeah, with the resume like his, it, it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick a uh, favorite sometimes. But to me, it will always be City Lights. This is my first introduction to Chaplin, and it, it, I'll always remember this fondly. Not just for giving me that first time viewing experience that I'll never forget, but just for being just pretty much a perfect film in so many ways um yeah absolutely um so that that is city lights a review of city lights um is there anything else you wanted to touch on uh, as far as city lights no i think we covered pretty much all the stuff that that i had planned on covering anyway so uh, uh i mean for those of you who've never seen it i mean it, and this this would be your introduction to chaplin go for it this is the one I would like. We said up and down on this show. We'd recommend City Lights to any first-time Chapliners, you know, to uh, to take in because this this perfectly uh, is the perfect re- representation of what Chaplin was and what he meant to to the industry. So definitely, definitely, this has our highest recommendation. Uh, absolutely. Um, so C- City Lights is available um, digitally. Um, on at least Amazon and Vudu. I don't know if it's available on iTunes, but um, I couldn't find it on there anyway. But it's definitely available on Amazon and iTunes. Uh, you can get, like, unofficial versions on uh, on YouTube if you really want. But uh, I my, my strong recommendation would be to get the Criterion Blu-ray. Not only is the restoration beautiful, but it has a really, really excellent... Um, uh, really excellent uh, uh, commentary track. A lot of good featurettes. Um, and, uh, it's just a, a very, um, it's just a very good Blu-ray edition. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have, uh, I have three of those Chaplin Blu-rays. I have, um, I have Limelight, I have this one, and I have The Great Dictator. I am planning on picking up The Kid and Modern Times. Uh, what, th- we're, we're in the middle of the, uh, Barnes & Noble annual 50% off Criterion sales, so I'm going to pick up those two titles, definitely, now that I'm on the Chaplin kick. As well as a few of the more recent stuff that I've seen, like Midnight Cowboy, I'm definitely picking up. And there's a few other ones that are on my list that I'll probably splurge on for this month. But uh, but yes, I'm definitely getting Modern Times and The Kid during the sale. I've been meaning to get those for a while. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, I, I only I only bought one during the sale. I, I bought Bicycle Thieves, which I hadn't. Uh, which is that's another amazing film. But yeah, um, but uh, I only bought one this time. Um, but you know, maybe maybe I'll. When's the sale end? Like end of the month or something? I think like August third. They said August third. So. I'll, I'll think about it. Uh, but I do. I do have this one. Obviously, I have Modern Times and I have The Great Dictator. I don't have The Gold Rush, The Kid, or Limelight, um, or Monsieur Verdoux. Um, I've never right. seen Limelight or Monsieur Verdoux. Those are two like on. Those are like two big gaps in my Limelight's awesome. It, it's more toward the the uh, the tail end of Chaplin, but it's mm. uh. But I, I really enjoy that one as well. Yeah, I have never seen that one. I'm I'm, I'm I, I that's one of those. That that's one of those probably blind buys where I'll buy it just in the, t- to watch it. Um, yeah, because I I mean I've oh never you, oh been... you mean like oh you mean like my sallow blind buy oh <laughs> <laughs> that I got roasted for on Facebook if you remember. <laughs> yeah, well I I still have yet to see the whole thing the whole way through. I've only seen bits and pieces of it, and it's enough. Literally, lady, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on this show, but ladies and gentlemen, I I I I did a blind buy of sallow, and I remember putting on Facebook like oh. I'm watching this for the first time. I forgot what stupid nonsense I wrote under that post, but I was like, oh, you know, I hope I enjoy it or whatever, whatever stupid shit. <laughs> and then Adolfo, um, uh, Big D, and Denon, everybody kind of like 
dude, you don't know what Sallow is? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I was in for quite the surprise. Yeah, Sallow um, or the 120 Days of Sodom uh, is if you now get, is if, that an essential film? I would say not. Okay. Uh, I I I can't watch. I mean, would you would you put it up there with Vinegar Syndrome? <laughs> well, uh, maybe I would say that it, it's important, but I don't know if it's essential. Okay, it's important, but maybe not essential. Okay, yeah. um, let's settle on that. But yeah, the Criterion uh, the Criterion release of this I think is the best way to watch uh, Criterion Blu-ray release of of City Lights. But again, you can buy it digitally if physical media is not your thing. Um, but before we go. Uh, we do have one more piece of business to take care of, and that is what our next movie will be. All right. And let let us bust out the uh, random movie generator. Let's punch in our 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 our, our code here. Say that we're we're not robots. We are humans, indeed. Uh, um, okay, here we go. All right, and our next film. Aha! This is a big one. This is uh, one of the big Hollywood epics of all time. We're going to be right. doing Ben Hur on, yes! on our next episode. All right. Awesome! Awesome! Um, that one. That one's going to be big because that movie is long. <laughs> I have two copies of that film. I have. I have a nice little steel book that I bought overseas from Zavi. Um, Zavi, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that uh, boutique, but I don't. They're more of a boutique. They're actually more of like a actually like more like an Amazon. Um, but they do they specialize in their steel books. So I, I managed to get stack a copy of their limited Ben Hur steel book. Plus, I have the big giant. Uh, what was it? 50th anniversary. Yeah, I have that one as well. <laughs> that giant set. So I have that as well. I have that big one as well. And um, yeah, so we'll we'll see. It, that one's huge. That one's. I don't know if I'm gonna get through everything through there. Uh, I'm probably only gonna get to through the film and maybe a couple of the features because that is a massive set. Yes, um, it is. But yeah, and that I don't think that still won't be our biggest movie, our big longest movie because our longest movie I think is still Gone with the Wind. Um, because yeah. that movie's like four hours long, right. um, and I think that episode is four hours long. <laughs> but I like it. It was a long episode. Uh, so, so uh, Ben Hur might end up being a pretty long episode as well. Uh, all said and done, but that'll be our next episode. Um, so before we go, let's uh, let's hit our plugs here. Um, EssentialFilmsPodcast.com is the website. EssentialFilmsPodcast at gmail.com is the email if you want to send us feedback. Um, you can please like the Essential Films on Facebook and follow at Essential Films on Twitter. And uh, please like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. And also subscribe to my YouTube page, Adolfo J. Acosta, uh, which uh, does upload uh, episodes of the Essential Films and uh, another podcast that Mark will talk about in a second here up on YouTube. Uh, Mark, take it away. All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at SportsGuy515. Uh, Forest Respective, uh, you can follow that show on Twitter at FP Movie Podcast. Um, our latest episode is the one we did on both Deadpool 2 and Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, we are coming back with a new Force Respective in the coming days, ho- uh, hopefully not too long from, from this recording date. Um, we are going to tackle everything we've seen tonight. I've seen quite a few. I don't know if you've seen as much as I have, Adolfo, but... I mean, we got Jurassic World in there. I think there. I've seen most of the big releases. It's incredible. It's Jurassic World. I did catch up with Won't You See My Neighbor, um, which, you know, freaking face faucet there. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so we can – oh, and Hereditary. I did catch up with Hereditary. Hereditary. Did you see so, Ocean's 8? No, I did not catch up with uh, Ocean's okay. 8. Well, you don't really have to. But 
uh, and there's a few other ones there. I am trying to catch um, before we record. Um, they they're opening that movie. Uh, oh God, what's the name of that movie? And it's on the tip of my tongue too. Like I just saw it advertised today while I was in Alamo Draft House, and I can't remember. Uh, oh, sorry to bother you. That's oh yes, yes, yes. That does look. That's really coming good. out this week, so I'm going to try to check that out maybe this weekend. And then also we got Ant Man and the Wasp this weekend, so maybe we can squeeze that in as well. There's gonna be a packed show, <laughs> so uh, so kind of strapping everybody. But uh, but before we go, I do want to tackle one subject. I, I figured we could do it here rather than force perspective. Um, we can touch on it briefly. Maybe we can elaborate more on 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 FP. But um, I did send you the 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 a text about it that um, AMC is oh, now right, releasing yes. their own version of the movie pass, the which A-list. is called the Stubbs A list. Yes. And before before I go on with that, um. I did get an email uh, this week from Alamo Drafthouse saying that they are experimenting with their own uh, movie subscription service. Um, and this was an email basically to sign up for the beta testing when they decide to do it, which is probably be in the coming weeks. So, yes, Alamo Drafthouse is doing also their own version of Movie Pass. But the big news here is that AMC has officially launched theirs, which is called Stubbs A-List. I think you get three movies per week. I th- or was it per month? I can't per remember. Week. I think it's three, it's three movies per week, whether it, in, in any format, 2D, 3D, IMAX, uh, Dolby, for the low, low price of nineteen ninety five per month. So, Which isn't a bad deal. That's not bad, actually. I mean, you, really think you watch it. one IMAX movie, you got, it's paid for itself. Um, it, it, I think this is going to be the death of MoviePass. Um which is sad, but you know, I I never I, honestly I never saw how Movie Pass is making any money anyway. Right, right. I mean, they I, from what I understand, they had to rely a lot on marketing and advertising, like movies and whatnot, to be able to get some of that some extra revenue. Um, but there's and then that unlimited, I think that unlimited plan isn't there anymore. From what I get, like if yeah, you sign up not. for it now, it's like the I think it's ten ninety nine for like what three movies a month. I think, or some some nonsense, or four movies a month. I don't know how many it is, to be honest. I, but, I think it's one a week, so but, I think it's four a month. Yeah, I, 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 may be, I may switch over to AMC, because I do mostly go to AMC uh, screenings anyway. Um, just because it, it, my nearest theater... No, actually, not my nearest AMC theater. It's like, I have two AMC theaters within driving distance, um, and they're, they're both about equally the same, uh, same uh, distance from my house. And one of them is massive. It's got like twenty something screens, so it pretty much has everything. Uh, even has like it even had "Won't You Be My Neighbor," you know, like which is yeah. a tiny movie. But um, mm-hmm. so it, it, that's probably I might just end up going with the A list just because. Mm-hmm. Plus, I also get like the stubs rewards and stuff too. So of course, um, you know, as much as I hate to like kind of like uh, discard the the scrappy mm-hmm. underdog and go with the corporate giant. It makes a little more sense to go with the A list than with the Movie Pass at this point. I agree. Um, I I was hesitant to sign up already, but I think I'm probably going to do that by the end of the week. The, the, any up. format is is a is a big seller. It's a big sell, absolutely. Not, and, not and, even because and three I, a week. I, not even because I like 3D because I don't like 3D and 3D is kind of going on the down low, going down anyway. But sometimes you're like the only screening you can get to is a 3D screening, right? Or sometimes, like, you want to see something like Dunkirk in IMAX, right? So, like, that is kind of a big seller right there. And you can buy 
advanced online too. That's yes, a big, that's also that's a big good. seller for me too. That's also good too. You can just because you can just do it on your phone and then just walk up. And that's how I like to pay for movie tickets anyway. Like, um, like with the last major like movies that I wanted to make sure I got into, like uh, Avengers and Black Panther and. What was the other one I um, wanted to make sure? Oh, and Incredibles two. Um, the I, I bought them. I, I just I didn't use Movie Pass. Just bought them on my phone through like Fandango, and I just I just kind of had to, yeah. Yeah, or else you'd be out of luck opening day or opening weekend. Right, you and want and, to go. and and I much prefer going. You know, just showing my phone and walking in as opposed to sitting going through the line and, and buying everything. So and and now I don't know if you've been you've used Movie Pass recently, but now you have to like take a picture of your stub and and submit that like. Oh, it's a I whole process now to use that. I didn't have to do that. So yeah, so it, it's weird. Like I had to do that twice already. Like I've used Movie Pass three times in the last couple weeks, and they made me do it twice. So what happens is once you check in, it says here, it says on the screen on your phone that you have to take a picture of the ticket stub and then submit that on the app. Like you can't even go back to the main menu without doing this. Um, so literally, so you wait for the stub to come out. You have to take a picture of it on your phone, and you got to hit the big submit button. And then you go back to to the main screen. But yeah, I have to do that twice now. Oh, it didn't make me do that for. I last used it for "Won't You Be My Neighbor," and I used it for Jurassic World as well. And it, it didn't make me do either. Do I it used it one. for for Jurassic. It didn't make me. It didn't make me do that. But I had to do it for. Uh, I think Life of the Party when I used it for that. And then, uh, well, um, I think "Won't You Be My Neighbor." They made me do it. So hmm. they made me send no, the, they the made thing. Me do that yet. So. so I mean, yeah, but but my plan right now is to keep the the the, the unlimited nine ninety five movie pass that I have grandfathered in, and then probably go with the AMC A list um, right now until the Alamo one launches. Because once that launches, I may have to give up one of them, and it's probably going to be movie pass, unfortunately. So because I go to Alamo all the time, I almost go to Alamo at this point more than AMC. Right. So. Um, so it, it makes sense for me to have the Alamo one, and then because I do go to AMC mostly for the big blockbusters like Avengers, like Jurassic World, you know, because I take the family to those, and the family doesn't want to go all the way to Brooklyn with me, so I have to have the AMC one. So at that point, maybe I would have to kiss Movie Pass goodbye, which sucks. Like you said, you know, the, the scrappy underdog is getting discarded for the big corporate giants, but I mean, they're giving you more bang for your buck. So you got as the consumer, you you got to go with the with the wiser choice. Yeah, I mean, it's why Toys R Us went under or went out of business. Not that Toys R Us was a scrappy underdog, but it was certainly, it, it certainly uh, gave way to to Amazons and stuff like that. You know, so you know, it, it's I hate to see something like that go, but at the same time, I my my bottom line is 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 more important. So uh, I'm actually I I think I'm gonna switch to AMC in August um, because because I've already paid for the July of Movie Pass. So I'll probably just switch over in August just to be done with it. Yeah, I hear you. But uh, but yeah, so that's I mean, if you want, we can go more into it on 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 Force Perspective next time. But that's pretty much that's that's the landscape now when it comes to these movie subscription services. Which you know, I for one, I'm 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 pretty ha- I'm pretty souped for this. You know, this is something I kind of been secretly wanting for a long, long time now. And I the think, fact that I think this that is we're getting the, it. Yeah, I think this is going to be like the the this is going to be the trend for for yeah. movie going now. I think. Which is and we and no even no matter if movie pass lasts the month now lasts the rest of the year if they go under in 2019 because of this I mean it's their it's their trend they're the trendsetter for this so they'll go down in history yeah they'll be the trendsetter so 
But anyway, that's that's pretty much it on on our end. I mean, I've seen so many movies I wouldn't have seen otherwise. So exactly. I mean, like well, Life of the so Party. I, I, I might I, I might have yeah. seen them for our show, but I would have been annoyed to pay for them, like Jurassic World. Um. So oh oh yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. That was oh, oh my god, that it, it's, bad. It's, it's, the, the the more I think, I more I think about it, the more I hate it. It's almost like it's almost like the Last Jedi. <laughs> the more I really sit down and think about the Last Jedi or Jurassic World, the more I start to hate them. So, uh, but I know you're not you're not in the Last Jedi camp, but you're it looks like you're squarely with me in the in the uh, Lost World, the Jurassic World. Sort of. I don't I don't sit and think <laughs> about it because I was like, I, I just had all the thoughts during the movie, right? And then after the movie came, after I left the movie, I was like. Okay, that happened, and like, and then I was just, I just kind of put it out of my mind since then because it's, it was so forgettable. You oh, know? that whole movie doesn't make sense, it's bro. So it's, it's bad. all, it's all like, it's all garbage. They just threw it, it's... all plot garbage. They just threw at the screen. Hopefully, they thought we were stupid enough to just take it, but it, I mean, it's, it's so see through. It's, it's not, it's not even that it's bad. It's boring, which is a worse sin to me. Like uh... <laughs> bad, like there's bad and there's boring. Bad I can forgive, boring I can't. So, and that's the problem, right? Right. But uh, but we'll get into that on Force Perspective, folks. That that's your little teaser there. But uh, all right. But that right. that'll do it for uh for us here on Essential Films today. Yep, that'll do it for us. Uh, make sure to you know watch Ben Hur before we discuss it on our next episode. Uh, but that'll be it for us. And uh, thanks for, for thanks for listening. And uh, right now I think uh, I'm gonna go get drunk and then forget about Mark as immediately as when I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for Sounds tuning like in. Sounds like a everyone. plan. Bye. Later, folks. <laughs>